We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Recapping a wild day one and reacting live to day two. That's what we're going to talk about today on a live dealing bananas. Those of you who are listening on the podcast feed will note that this is live and we'll be talking through uh, day two as we're doing it. Those of you that are with us live on YouTube, we're happy to have you here and we'll be doing sort of a normal stealing bananas type episode as we talk through day one and day two for most of round two and then we will also through some of round three be inviting on some guests and and those of you who are around will, will have a fun time i'm sure with that as we maybe loosen up a little bit in the later part of today but we're going to be here for the next however many hours this takes today i'm ben gretch find my newsletter at bengretch.substack.com with me as always is sean siegel Found all his great work at Rotoviz. Sean, yesterday was crazy. We did the live stream with the ship chasing guys. That was a ton of fun. We didn't necessarily have a ton of time to talk through a lot of the actual ramifications because we were just trying to process everything, I think, a little bit and also maybe having a little too much fun in my case. But uh, it was a great round one. We have a lot of intrigue starting here in round two. Where do you want to start? (laughs) Yeah, a lot of intrigue, as you said. These first 15 picks could be absolutely crazy. I have moved on from the Chiefs hat tonight and going with Arizona Cardinals because the Cardinals make the big move for Brown yesterday. Get that receiver to launch their offense. The Chiefs, meanwhile, pick defensive players. As Stealing Bananas, we're not on board with the defensive players, even if those are actually good picks. So the Chiefs have been demoted for a night. But Ben, these first 15 picks should be absolutely crazy. I was looking through my notes and prep on this, and only one of the five teams that I have labeled as in desperate need of a wide receiver addressed that in round one. The Bears, Texans, and Browns could all address it in the first 15 picks today. Actually, five of the teams I labeled as in serious need. So again, we're talking about there was a huge need for wide receiver. Those receivers did go early, but then it dropped off at the end, much to Davis's dismay. Five of the teams, though, did address that. Of course, one of the teams that addressed it was the Titans, and they addressed it by actually getting rid of A.J. Brown on the way to picking up Traylon Burks. So then now I think they have another hole, even though Robert Woods is there. Kind of the high-profile teams, the Chiefs are now at 50 and 62, Packers at 53 and 59. Will anybody interesting make it to them? We're waiting on George Pickens, Sky Moore, Christian Watson, Wondell Robinson, Jalen Tolbert, 
Justin Ross, a name that I know you're tracking closely. We did an episode on that. We're kind of hoping that he sneaks into day two. He very well could be a day three guy. And we're talking about again tomorrow. And then some names like Pierce, Mechie, we're also looking for some names for maybe our favorite teams to avoid there. You go down to QB, right? Seahawks, Texans, Colts, Falcons, Lions, Commanders, and Saints could all address quarterback before pick 50. That's kind of the breaking point for me, right? Round one really was not. I was a little disappointed not to see those guys go. If they don't go before pick 50, then I think this idea that the NFL doesn't believe in them, you know, we can start to, to definitely kind of put that in the bank. And then running back, I've got 21 teams who could use either a bell cow, a committee back, a third down back, or a backup. But only the Texans really need a true starter, right? So we're kind of now on Brees Hall and Kenneth Walker watch once we're into day two. So that's kind of where I am in terms of conceptualizing what we're looking at to start off round two. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Sorry, I was doing a little back-end stuff uh, on YouTube. We're going to have to work through a, a few things. I couldn't see the comments, but I had to I had to shift the type of broadcast. So a little peek behind the curtain. I can see your comments now. Got a comment here asking about how the morning was. I got a little drunk last night, but um, today's actually my anniversary. The wife and I went out. We went and played putt-putt today. Got a little air. Got a nice lunch while the kids were in school. I feel great right now, I got to tell you. You just broke down everything that everyone needs to know. Uh, I'm just still thinking about putt-putt. Um, but uh, I did make a hole-in-one, so that's cool. And so did my wife. It was very fun. Sean, did you mention in that while I was working that we have the Seahawks picking at, what, eight and nine today? That One of the things that I'm most interested in here at the start of the top of the second is what happens with the quarterbacks. I heard you talking a lot about the receivers and the running backs. Obviously, so much uh, intrigue there. I'm really interested as well in whether any teams try to move up in front of the Seahawks. And if no one does, uh, there are definitely some spots where teams could try to, right? You have the the Jets and the Bears right in front of them, who both have drafted, you know, drafted a first round quarterback last year. If no one tries to do the Seahawks take a quarterback at either 40 or 41, I feel I, yesterday was really interesting with the quarterbacks. I I mean, we we heard what happened might happen. I was still shocked. I was shocked that Malik Willis didn't go in the first round. I uh, was very surprised that only one quarterback went in the first round. And he was at pick 20. It was Kenny Pickett, obviously. But even though we heard that that might happen with this class, I wasn't anticipating that. But we're sort of anticipating that even though you know that was sort of expected and did happen, we're now still going to see a flood of quarterbacks in the first half of the second round, probably. I think so. This is really the sweet spot. And one of the things that happened yesterday is that once you get through the Panthers and the Seahawks early, and they're either not taking a quarterback or they're not moving back to kind of position themselves to take a quarterback less expensively, then you know that the run is not going to happen. And the intrigue really sits with the Steelers. That to me was a strange pick. We'll see how it turns out. But Pickens was the one guy that I had the most, Pickett was the one guy I had the most question about. And I think that the upside there for the Steelers is the least. And when you're talking about trying to compete and you know win a Super Bowl title, that portion of it, for the Steelers to not go for it, that seemed like a pick that lacked sort of some guts there. And you always want to see your team execute and, and go for the big win. Now, not surprised to see Riddle, Ritter and Corral fall, right? Those are the two guys that I think really were the most questions about whether or not they're legitimate NFL starters. I thought the fact that they had kind of moved into this group that seemingly is above how 
they might sneak into the back end of the first round, especially because, again, they bring that run-pass element that just is so functional for NFL teams at this point. And so we thought that maybe those guys would be rising. They were mocked in some of these last picks for a trade-up. And we're just going to see if we get some trades up into that spot there, if the teams do get ahead of the Seahawks. It'll also be interesting to see if Willis is definitely the second quarterback. The fact that he didn't go in day one, I don't think it's a guarantee that he's the first guy who comes off here. Is he the one that you're really hoping your Seahawks get? I mean, I think that would be the right pick for them. Certainly, that would be you know an upside play. That'd be fantastic. For my dynasty bags, I'm hoping it's either Ritter or Howell. I have Ritter in both of my leagues that I drafted prior to the draft. One is only single QB, and I got him late in the third, but one is super flex where I went, and, and we've talked about this on the stream. I went and moved up to the end of the first round. It took both Ritter and Howell, so I'm kind of hoping one of them lands with Seattle. I think right now, and what I heard all through today and kind of the dynasty community was how bad yesterday was for all the quarterbacks, especially in referring to super flex. I, I think it's going to be interesting when we see them fall here, um, presumably in the second round. I think all four will probably go in the second round and potentially in the first half of the second round, as we've talked about. When we see some landing spots, th those opinions from today, they're going to be just like memory hold in, in just today because that's going to immediately shift again because it's going to be like, oh, wait, well, a high second round pick we've seen. I mean, I don't know why the first name I'm thinking of is Drew Brees, but you go way back to when they took Tomlinson in the first round of the Chargers and they took Brees in the early second. There, we've seen quarterbacks, obviously, in the high second. This isn't a, a, a vaunted class, but early second capital to a team like Seattle in this draft with the weapons they have and with Drew Locke as your competition is going to immediately change again what has been, you know, what was sort of a change from, from day one in terms of the uh, the way that we will value those quarterbacks for dynasty, it's going to shift it again positively and be like, okay, well, I can't be that mad. Like if Malik Willis does fall to Seattle, I think that would be a flip right back to, to him being not quite as high probably, but certainly not as low as I've started to hear some people that are a little bit afraid of the lack of draft capital starting to push him down to. I mean, I think we'll see that flip again. So which which quarterbacks are you most afraid of them getting buried behind? Like, for example, we were talking yesterday about the Lions and how suddenly they have maybe, you know, within the top five at the very least. So we have to <laughs> maybe not, you know, top two, but top five in terms of electric playmakers at this point, when you throw Hawkinson and Swift in with the receiving group that they now have. That would be so exciting for any of these quarterbacks. Is Jerry Goff somebody who is going to block these guys? I mean, Drew Locke is not going to beat anybody out. He's not going to beat Geno Smith out. And so anybody who goes there is going to start. Do you have other places where you like that, even here in the second round? This is something we talked about on the show. A lot of these spots are fantastic. Goff is a, a and the Lions is a great example. Goff is still under contract through the rest of this year, but they just added Jameson Williams. They got uh, an incredible young skill position core you called them the 2024 uh the, the 2024 lions will be the 2021 bengals on last night's stream that they're going to be this explosive offense here in a couple of years probably won't see that rookie play a ton this year but golf is easy to get out of that like that contract they have i think it's like 30 million in dead money or more for this year but after this year they will be able to get out of it if they want to so if they do take a quarterback here you have to think that at some point in the 2022 season, if their season's not going particularly well, we don't expect the Lions to be in the middle of the playoff hunt necessarily, that they would then 
see what they have in that rookie. That would be the point of taking them in the second round, I would assume, because if they don't have anything with that rookie, then you can turn around, you can just take a first rounder next year. I mean, that's what I don't get with this class not being great is it's like a free roll when you're a bad team. Take the take the shot here in the second round and then next year take one in the first if if you have to. Um, if they're bad, that's going to help you get a high draft pick next year. That's, and that's the thing great. that I keep coming back to is I don't think we necessarily even have to worry about them like legitimately on the up and up beating out the starter because if you draft them, you want to see what they can do. And if they're bad and they deliver you a top five pick, that's perfect. Yeah. Right. I mean, what's perfect is if they emerge and they're a star and they're the next Russell Wilson. But even if they don't, there is a scenario where that works out very well. You can do the kind of mild tank without tanking. And obviously we know the tanking element is going to be more controversial after some of the stuff that was discussed earlier this off season. If teams tank, they're going to need to do it in a more delicate type of way, I think. And one way to do it is just to play your quarterback and see what he can do. Absolutely. And I mean, we saw the Cardinals do it, right? I mean, they weren't intending to do that, but because they took Rosen, what, 10th overall, but they wound up with the first pick the next year. They played Josh Rosen a lot. They were bad. They wound up with the, the first overall pick. And then they just took Kyler Murray and they traded Rosen and they moved on. And they're in a better position a few years later because of that process. And Rosen could have been good is the other part of it. Like the, the quarterback position is not one that is easy to evaluate. Obviously, they thought he could be good because they took him in the first half of the first round. But these are guys that with their ability, their dual threat uh, mobility, uh, as you've talked about, like they're they're great fits for the, the current NFL. They're, they're the perfect guys to just take and see what happens in year one. So I'm very interested in that. You talked about a lot of the receivers that we have left. I'm really excited to see where Sky Moore goes. We talked about George Pickens. And then Brees Hall, you've been pretty glowing in your praise of him as we see that the Bucks start off round two with a defensive end. The Vikings come on the clock. They could feasibly be a spot for a wide receiver, but it's interesting. Uh, what are your thoughts on Hall? What are your thoughts on where we would like to see him go? We probably would like to see at least enough draft capital that he's here in the early part of the second round. But at that point in today's NFL, that's like strong capital for a running back, right? It is. I was kind of joking after we finished up last night that if it weren't for Ronald Jones, that I would be pretty frustrated that the Chiefs had managed to pass on both Jonathan Taylor and Brees Hall, because I think that's another situation in which you're potentially passing on a generational type of back. Now, it, it devalues the term if we're going to use it twice within the, a couple of years. And I know there are, are plenty of people who actually believe some of the prospects from last year's draft were better. But you put Hall into the running back prospect lab, you, know, you get out a 98 score. He's in there with guys like Todd Gurley and Ezekiel Elliott. You put him into the combine explorer, and he looks like maybe a slightly more athletic Adrian Peterson, or basically Adrian Peterson, who we believe can catch passes. And so when you're talking about a draft that people are saying only has 15 first rounders, I mean, you need to believe in those defensive guys that you took or else it would have made sense to just add a superstar, even if it's a superstar at a devalued position. And one of the things that we are kind of joking about with the Patriots last night is this element where, and we get potentially getting Watson here, this element yeah. where they took 
a position that is not glamorous. They took it after a trade down. We were kind of making fun of that pick. But again, if you believe that this guy is far and away the best player, take the safe picks, make those spots on your roster awesome, and then take some swings at the high value positions later if you think that they're actual swings, right? I mean, you can do different things in the draft and positional value is important, but it's not the only thing. Absolutely. So the Vikings trade back again, their second trade back with a divisional opponent. The Packers moved up to the second pick here in the second round. We got some people in the chat saying it's Watson. I'm not sure if that's speculation or certainty. I haven't seen the pick come through yet, but you got to think it's for a receiver. An early second round receiver here for Green Bay is interesting. Watson, not our favorite receiver in this class, but Green Bay making a move to trade up. And I assume to get the Vikings to do it, I mean, this is obviously pure speculation, but my, my mindset is it probably costs a little bit. <laughs> you got to probably pay a premium to get Minnesota to agree. They're saying it's confirmed that it is Christian Watson. So the Vikings trade back. We don't know the trade package, but I'm assuming that the Packers gave up a decent amount to get up here and get a player that some were projecting into the first round. Ton of athleticism, not a lot of production until his final year, even in a small school. Didn't produce with Trey Lance. Uh, obviously, a top five quarterback comes out of his school, and he's not able to really put up a lot of numbers with him, but does have just absolutely ridiculous athleticism. What is he, 6'4", and runs a four, sub 4'4"? Four, four. What do we think now? Where How high does Watson go? I asked you a week or so ago on, this, on the channel, uh, excuse me, on our uh, Stealing Bananas pod, whether – if Watson landed with the Chiefs, I believe was the team we were using, but we've kind of talked about the Chiefs and the Packers as the best spots. Would he jump ahead of the Sky Moors and the Jahan Dotsons of the world? Dotson obviously went yesterday, but not to a great spot. Watson landing here at 34 overall to Green Bay. How high does that push him in rookie drafts? He's got to be above that, that tier right now, right? He does. And... I mean, Dotson's not even in the conversation with Watson here. You're looking at... The Packers, not only do you have Aaron Rodgers, but this is a much better situation than in Kansas City where you actually have Travis Kelsey, Juju Smith-Schuster, MVS, McCole Hardman. Those guys may not be stars outside of obviously Kelsey, but there's going to be plenty of competition for whoever ends up in Kansas City. That's not the case here with the Packers. They've demonstrated over and over that they like this profile after they went out and got Lazard and MVS several years ago those guys haven't completely blown up but they've been more or less functional within the offense you mentioned that this guy will immediately come in and be one of if not the most I mean, he's gonna be one of the most athletic receivers in the nfl he's definitely in that top group in this year's class you watch him play and it, you really kind of wonder about his collegiate offense and this is a team that absolutely dominates right and trey lance absolutely dominated in terms of win loss but he was also put in a position where he was somewhat limited as a passer. And it's one of those things that made it much more difficult for him to come out and do the things that people were hoping right away at the NFL level. And so this is a, a difficult situation for him in some ways, because there's going to be a lot of pressure. Then how much do you think Rogers like mild disappointment? I mean, he was looking for Traylon Burks supposedly yesterday. <laughs> do you think that he came out and said, look guys, I mean, you have to get here and get this guy or that doesn't really have anything to do with it. Well, I mean, they traded the 53 and 59, uh, picks 53 and 59 in this draft. So we'll see the Vikings get two picks here 
in this second round that were green base. That's a big cost, especially with, I, I would say, a pretty deep group of available receivers. Maybe no one's going to get down there to 53, but there's at least a few. And there's a lot of quarterbacks still available. There's a lot of players at a lot of positions still available. Obviously, we've talked about some of the running backs. It's possible that like a Sky Moore is still sitting there at 53. I mean, I think this is a really aggressive move by the Packers. I hadn't seen that uh, comment about about Rodgers being interested in, in Burks. Did that Was that today? Yeah, it was one of the things that I ran across there. The other interesting thing here, Ben, is like you mentioned, the in-division trade. What do you think about that? I mean, we talk so much about, or you hear so much about, okay, you don't want to trade within the division. I think that maybe if you've got a superstar, you don't necessarily want to let them go to a divisional opponent. But if you think that you're going to win the trade, wouldn't you be even more incentivized to trade with a team that if, yeah. like, if you're winning the trade, it's going to help you win the division? I love this for Minnesota. I think this is a great trade. They just picked up an additional second round pick in this draft. And man, I mean, they gave up, they gave the Packers a wide receiver. I, I saw a comment that said, look, they've made trades with two divisional opponents to let them get receivers. Certainly the Lions won was a really high profile receiver, but um, the trade value stuff I saw on that had had the Vikings winning that pretty comfortably. And now they, I think, are going to easily win this by the trade value charts as well, getting two second rounders for this early second rounder. And it's a player that there are question marks, you know, and they obviously don't know who the Packers are necessarily coming up to get. But with the, the players that were left, like you said, you're now allowing the Packers to sort of you're like facilitating the Packers making a move that they might end up regretting like you were just saying so they've given up two shots now in the second round that could have been multiple positions you know could have covered multiple and they need two receivers it could be two receivers and if they both hit you're doing a lot there for a guy that advanced age not a lot of production I mean it's been different rosters but Rodgers has never really clicked early with rookies this is a team that has a, a way bigger need but I don't know that Watson's the guy that I would expect to come right in and click with Rodgers immediately. Like from a, from a peer talent perspective, I don't know that we know enough about him being a guy who's going to come in and earn a bunch of targets and be fantastic. Now we're getting Brees Hall to the Jets. Do we have Brees Hall to the Jets? The Michael Carter bags might be completely dust. Jets, Brees Hall. Probably not your favorite landing spot for Brees Hall and Hashan. It's not because Michael Carter did have a good season last year. It does. It reinforces a little bit this sort of trade perspective and this perpetual reloading permanent championship window that we've talked about. Sometimes you get unlucky. Sometimes you get sort of very lucky. Blair and I made a trade in our Rotoviz Triflex Dynasty League right before the cutdown deadline where we moved Javante Williams and Michael Carter for J.K. Dobbins and a 1-2-3 and three in the 2023 draft. At the time period where it looked like Melvin Gordon might land with the Ravens, you're like, okay, we could, we could lose this by a lot, even though we're still going to have Dobbins and he's still going to eventually emerge. You're going to have that 2023 first, and we've talked about why the second and thirds are valuable. But by continuing to move the guys and to not get overly caught up in this idea of having a player who has to be a foundation piece 
then over time you do end up with a lot more value. In this case, it appears that we got pretty lucky and moved off of a couple of guys who now have lost a lot of value. I, I was trying, I'm laughing because I was trying to move Carter in one of my dynasty leagues and was not able to get it done. I'm not as creative as you. You get these big deals together. I was just like using Carter to try to move into like a late first in, in certain drafts or an early second. I can't remember exactly what I was trying to do, but I'd taken him in the early third the year before. And I'm like, I mean, still huge value before this Brees Hall pick, but I was really concerned the Jets might go running back. I did not expect Brees Hall, but just any kind of running back that might actually impact Carter's value. I, I wanted to kind of move off that, but the Jets have now added Garrett Wilson, obviously Elijah Moore last year. They have Corey Davis in free agency from last year. Now they have Brees Hall and Michael Carter in their backfield. This team has really invested in weapons and Zach Wilson. Is there any, uh, you know, the Jets could be the 2021 Bengals here in a couple of years. Any any excitement from what they have built? I mean, we got to talk a little bit about day one as well. Wilson's fit with the Jets has been one that I've had a hard time putting my head around because I don't know how much I buy into Zach Wilson. And I love Elijah Moore and I love Garrett Wilson. Don't really think much of Corey Davis, but that's... I don't know if they can can uh I don't know if Zach Wilson can I why can't I think of the word? <laughs> Keep two receivers afloat. What is the word I'm trying to say here? You know, support these guys. Support is the word I'm trying to shout. I drank like at least eight drinks last night, maybe ten. It's it's brain's not firing at all cylinders today. I don't know if Wils, Zach Wilson can support both Garrett Wilson and Elijah Moore. Now you have Brees Hall. And you have a team that wants to run the ball. You have sort of the San Francisco mentality that came in with the new coaching staff last year. You have Michael Carter in the backfield as well. You're going to get the San Francisco multiple back thing going on. What happens with Elijah Moore and Garrett Wilson? How does this offense look? It's really going to come down to Wilson. And it's one of the reasons why <laughs> I think that those cheap super flex quarterbacks are so important, right? Wilson and Mac Jones were the two guys that we really tried to get in all of the super flex leagues last year in startups because they were going to come at a tier that was so much less expensive like all after all of the good position players are gone whereas if you're going to look at fields and lance those guys were going to cost you a star who is in your starting lineup and there were a lot of trades out there for wilson early this offseason because he was terrible last year and his comps you go check out our article using the road of his similarity feature in the screener i mean the comps are terrible he's almost certainly not going to make it but the jets have done the thing here that frank always used to talk about which is to give the guy a chance build around him make sure that it's not that you don't have enough weapons right and if he fails and your team is bad because it's going to come down to the qb then you're again you're back in this position where you've got a good pick later and the next guy will come yeah. in and we'll have all of these weapons Everything. around him. We got another Jets trade. Absolutely explode. Yeah. The Jets would be in great position there. If, if Zach Wilson is their undoing and they do land a quarterback who can play well, we're, we're seeing another trade here. Atlanta pulls off a trade to move up. Is this the quarterback trade up that I was alluding to at the top? That would be my guess. Like, I feel like Malik Wilson is about to go off the board. What do you think? And so your, your Seahawks are going to lose him. I'm not even that mad about that. Cause I want, my dynasty bags to, to give. I think I'm with you on Sam Howell. I am I'm uh locked into um Howell being the guy from this class. So if we can get Howell in Seattle, let Seattle just needs to take Ritter and Howell. Just go back to back, take two QBs. YOLO. No, don't actually Frank is do so that. happy. 
hearing you yeah. say that. <laughs> Take them both. Take them both. Right. Take them both. Why not? Figure it out. I'm looking at Brees Hall here as he scores on every single touch. That's not exactly true, but he can do everything. I just I feel bad for Michael Carter because again, you you pull up the advanced stat explorer, and Carter was even better than I would have thought possible, right? And I love these guys that are that size. I mean, he's like Gio Bernard early in his career when he was being asked to do both of those things. Plus, I mean, a better version of that. And now you have a guy just, it's a little bit like the second half of the season last year with Jonathan Taylor. He's going to be so good. I mean, you're going to say, okay, we're going to have this committee. It's going to work well for both guys, but you, you can't take that kind of player off the field. Very excited for the Jets. I think it will work out fantasy wise as well all the things that are happening here are a little bit tough for elijah moore we did try and well, make some moves with him just because his value was so high now we still yeah. believe in him so malik willis you think falcons the trade details are the 38 for the 43 and the 114 thank you drew and now we're seeing never mind not on the qb run i was just going to say because they moved up from two picks behind seattle's pair of picks to two picks in front of seattle's pair of picks Gave up the 114th pick just to move up five slots. Felt like it had to be for a QB, but we're talking, they're, they're saying a defensive end. Okay. Build in the trenches, Ben. Why Why are you giving up the 113th pick? Teams are just dumb. <laughs> why are you just giving up a, a third round pick? What is that? 114. Maybe that's a fourth round pick. I don't know. Yeah, the beginning of the fourth. Early fourth. I don't understand why you would just give up an early fourth to move up five slots for a D end. I mean, obviously it's a guy you love, but we see general managers and teams time. And again, fall in love with players and and then learn the same lesson that you don't know any better than anyone else. You have to be patient in the draft. You, I mean, this is a great lesson for dynasty too. Like I've made this mistake. I trade up for guys. I just did it with the quarterbacks and super flex convinced that the quarterbacks were all going to go in the first round. This was going to solve my quarterback problem in Superflex. The rest of that roster is good, but it's not going to have any QBs. So it's going to be struggling. Well, the thing here, too, with this is that now, I mean, you got to get out there and get Marcus Mariota. He was the person I really wanted early in the offseason because I thought that he was going to go somewhere and start. But once he went to the Falcons, it's like, I mean, they've got to put a different quarterback in place there and get the rebuild going. They're not doing that. And he has London and Pitts. They do pick again at 58 in 20 picks. Do you think they're playing chicken like you were talking about last night and hoping that one of these QBs Well, we heard today them. that the, the Giants, right, are going to pick Sam Howell in the third round, and he's a developmental quarterback. Like, Sam Howell was ready after the 2020 season, so I don't think we need to put the developmental tag on him. But, yeah, I mean, there are definitely scenarios where these guys continue to fall. Yeah. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. So the Bears are up. Seahawks are on deck. I'm getting a little nervous about that. You were talking about, think you were kind of, you didn't seem to have a whole lot of conviction, but saying you thought it was going to work out for fantasy with Brees Hall as you were talking about him playing every down. Let's wrap that conversation up a little bit. How can it work out for fantasy? Because <laughs> he's not going to be able to play every down. <laughs> You don't you don't have to, right? I mean, Najee Harris has to because he doesn't run forward. He makes a lot of moves and stays in place. The guys who can make explosive plays, it's not going to be quite the Jonathan Taylor situation because Jonathan Taylor is really is a kind of a once in a lifetime back. But Brees Hall is going to have a little bit of that same element where every touch is at least a medium value touch. He's going to be able to score from distance. He tested it extremely well. We know that he was able to make plays in that Ohio uh, Iowa State offense. And now you're looking at a guy who can catch some passes as well. And an offense where even if the quarterback play is iffy, they've been able to generate running back points. Yeah. And so I like the fact that in a lot of the running back points that we saw last year actually came when Zach Wilson wasn't the guy under yeah, center. Mike White. But we, but we <laughs> Mike White scheme, loved to throw to his running backs. That the scheme has generally put up some big numbers. I mean, you're talking about Raheem Mostert, like times 100. So, I and, and when you talk about Taylor, I'm thinking Taylor 2020 and Hines 2020. Hines had a big 2020 as Carter. A little bit of that. Hines actually ran a little bit more that season. And Bears are taking a cornerback. So, Seattle's going to have two picks in a row here. One quarterback is off the board. They have not had to move up. They took their tackle in the top 10. I was not happy about that last night. Malik Willis is still there. I cannot wait for them to take two fringy day three edge rushers. There's some special teams players who are very good available. At this spot <laughs> we for you, we might have a backup punter to uh, Michael Dixon, their, their Pro Bowl punter. Because there's that really good, don't we have like an elite punter in this draft? I think he's from San Diego State or something, or Riza or something. I didn't, I didn't uh, scout the punter. So you I should can't. have. You should have. That's bad work. Uh, then when we're, when we're looking at Hall, right? You mentioned 2020 Taylor and that Hines was still a big part of that. What are your thoughts here for Dynasty, right? Because redraft is probably going to keep him in that third round range. As we see the inflation with the running backs, as we get late into August, probably rise up into the end of round two. But for Dynasty, he's been the 101. We had a couple of guys yesterday make moves to challenge him in London and Burks. Are you willing to wait to 2023 to get that massive haul value? One of the things that I mentioned in writing him up yesterday was that I had moved him ahead of Christian McCaffrey pending the draft, just sort of have fun with it, at least for that you know 24-hour period. He could be in that spot because you're talking about a 21-year-old versus a 26-year-old and someone who is more talented than he's being given credit for. We now know the landing spot. Does he hold with the 101? 
where do you have him there against McCaffrey, Swift, Najee Harris in tier at the beginning of tier two, say super flex, right? It's going to be the quarterbacks. It's going to be Taylor. It's going to be Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson. You're looking at the top of tier two. Are you willing to wait for 2023 for that? On Hall, we're talking about? On Hall. Yeah, I don't think I like that price on Hall. I think I would be trying to wait till 2023, I guess. I mean, you're asking if if I'm willing to pass on him this year in Dynasty and then try to acquire him after what I would expect to be a little bit of an underperformance and a, and a price decrease. Yeah, and or just the fact that there is going to be a delay. And yeah. almost the only justification to take running backs that high would number one be just if you believe the scarcity in your league justifies it. And number two, the immediate production. But if you were thinking immediate production from London and Burks, are they now the 101 and 102? I think so. I mean, that's a tough question, but I think I want, I think I want London and Burks overhaul. Yeah. I, I, I'm like, I, it's not one that I feel confident in. I need to get my brain cells back. Um, I'm still shaving off the alcohol from last night, but I feel pretty good about um, what happened with London and Burks last night. I, I do. So, and that's obviously something that we're going to talk a little bit about today as well. But Hall's landing spot is pretty rough. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't see any issue with that. Where are you at with it? I think I still have him at the top because of the ability to play him for two or three years, trade him at peak value for an absolute monster return. I think that we were always looking at bad options here, right? Really the Falcons or the Cardinals, I think would have been the best case scenario. And it wasn't very likely that he would end up with those teams. And then even then, I mean, you're looking at other problems. You're looking at some delays until 2023. And so I think the Jets in many ways were one of the two or three most likely scenarios. I think he holds his value there. <laughs> Bullock says the CX are hundred percent about to pick Kenneth Walker. That sounds exactly right. Sean, I love that you just set me up with the leading question. Are Burks in London ahead of Hall so that I can agree with you so that you could then dunk on me and say that Hall is actually the one-on-one. I saw what you did there and I'm not going to let anyone else miss what you just did there. No, we we um, the listeners have to know that we're not. I'm digging 100%. my heels in. The receivers are ahead of Paul. You're wrong. You you <laughs> have Traylon Burks. I mean, you've wanted Traylon Burks at the top the whole way, and I, so I, I, you have to feel very good about last night. I know that the AJ Brown news was disheartening. I've made the case, and I think Connor has made the case that I mean the Eagles are now going to be what the Ravens were last year. We're going to see. Then put up a huge number of points. We're going to see Jalen Hurts take the next step and be the QB1. So you don't need to be worried about that. But also, Traylon Burks, I mean, it may be a run-first offense, but, I mean, you could have a rookie leading the NFL in market share of receiver touches. Yeah, he's going to be in a really interesting spot. The ways that they used AJ Brown fit what he did. We talked a lot on the show about how he was very good at slants and in breaking routes. I saw some of the PFF guys talking about how AJ Brown was used a lot on the play action crossers, right? Like he did a lot of damage on those types of plays. That's stuff that Burks crushed at. So I don't believe that Burks is AJ Brown by any stretch of the imagination. I do think Tennessee 
when you talk about the cost of trying to extend Brown, I still think they should have held on to Brown. But from a team perspective, I think there's some sense in what they did in moving on from Brown and then replacing the things that he did best and brought. Well, I wouldn't. I think he brought a lot more than they even always got out of him. Um, and so I am actually a little bit interested to see if Philly is able to tap into some things that I don't think Tennessee always did with with Brown, everything that he's capable of. But the things that Tennessee was using him for and maximizing his his skill set as a part of their offense for Burke should be able to do a lot of those things. That's that's what his profile says he can do in the intermediate range. And then certainly he can win downfield a little bit. We talked about with his size and that was a big part of what Brown brought. And then anything obviously around the line of scrimmage, which I think Tennessee should have done more of with Brown. I, that's part of the Burks thing that I'm concerned about is I've always wanted them to do more quick hitters to Brown, more just let him use it. I mean, I, I always, but how like much him. of it is the injury element, right. And his inability to stay healthy. Cause I almost think that they want to do that, but he couldn't handle that kind of beating. They think that Burks may be able to replace some of the other stuff, not quite at his level because I mean, he's AJ Brown, but maybe he could handle a bigger touch load without missing all that time. One of the things that was interesting today, not necessarily for fantasy, but just sort of reality football related was AJ Brown trying to really get out in front of this and say, look, I wanted to be with the Titans and my salary demands were very reasonable. Reasonable. They were, they were much less than Tyreek Hill. And then if AJ Brown does not have the injury problems, not only would he deserve every bit of what Tyreek Hill got, he would deserve more. Yeah, I think so. I'm right there with you. Do we have any news on Seattle yet? I'm sitting here talking about other things, trying to trying trying to keep your heart this. rate steady. I've been waiting for the chat to break news on on Seattle's picks here. It has not happened. Are they going to run out their time and and fall back behind themselves? I mean, what what are they going to manage to do here? They're going to mess something up. Are they going to trade back when they have the quarterback right there with them? Like, how do you not already have this pick submitted? But yeah, no, I let's talk about the Eagles because the Brown Devonta Smith dynamic. I I've been more skeptical of Smith than you. You've been pretty optimistic about Smith. Oh, this is interesting. Someone said they were high on Howell, but they also like Malik. What if they were expecting Willis to go and they were kind of ready to go with Howell and now they have to reconsider? Take, Take them, both. them both. Take them both. Double tap. Double tap the quarterback. All right. Um, You're going to be able to trade the one you don't want for way more than what this pick is worth. Yeah. Because all you have to do is have a good practice and send it out to the media constantly. These guys are both too good. I mean, we got to trade one of them because, right. I mean, they both deserve to start. I mean, they can't sit on the bench. And you're like, beautiful. It's a, it, it's, I mean, I don't know if every team would fall for that, but I think there might be some that would. The Texans would probably trade them three first for whichever one they decide isn't as good as the other one. But A.J. Brown, Devonta Smith, how do you see that dynamic playing out? And Hurts, I mean, obviously they've invested a ton in receivers now. I think the easy thing's going to be to say that they're going to throw more. I would expect them to throw more just by sheer regression. I do think their likelihood of being in the upper half of the league in pass attempts is an extremely high. And so I'm not thrilled from that perspective, but it's never been high for the Titans either as it relates to AJ Brown. And so I don't necessarily see that as like a massive problem. And, and I thought the same sort of when Diggs went to the bills, but then the bills immediately went to the super pass heavy offense. And we don't want to get too caught trying to assume team volume because for all we know, the Eagles are going to do exactly what the bills have done after they got their receivers to a certain level 
And they're going to now say, we're going to play our offense through A.J. Brown and Devonta Smith. You're talking about Jalen Hurts being potentially the QB1. And I think his his value obviously skyrockets. You also have a very strong tight end in Dallas Goddard. I think it hurts Goddard quite a bit. Goddard had a pretty outlier efficiency season this last year compared to his first few seasons. I think Brown and Smith fit together well, but I do think Brown is a significantly better receiver. And like I was, I was kind of leading in. I, I think you're a little bit higher on Devonta Smith than I am. How do you see that relating? Cause I, I mean, for me, it's immediately like, okay, AJ Brown's going to come in and be the clear star number one and everyone else is going to revolve in his orbit. Well, I still think that Smith is the best of that group of Alabama receivers. And the fact that Jalen Waddle played so well last year, even though basically it was just taking short passes over and over and over again within the context of the offense, that still matters. I mean, we still give him credit for that. He had a ton of receptions last year, but Devontae Smith played very well within the context of this offense that wasn't favorable for wide receivers. So for him to come out and immediately do that I thought was very, very encouraging when the rest of the receivers you know, weren't able to do much at all. You mentioned Goddard. They're going to have these three guys now that are each individually difficult to deal with. You put them out there together, and I love this. You're putting your head down. We have uh, another interior offensive lineman. No, it was the, the edge rusher that I was talking about. I mean, I, I believe he was – I don't think he's a day three. Oh, it's D, D end. I, don't, I haven't cited the D ends well. And I don't know how to say his name, Boye Mafe, maybe, um, from Minnesota. I believe I saw him mocked in the first in some cases, but I told you they'd take an edge rusher. They're probably going to take value, getting value, and then you're going to get your quarterback. Don't need to worry. It's not going to be both Willis and Howell, though. It's not. And I mean, is it because they can't decide on the QB, so they decided on their edge rusher? I mean, the thing uh, you need to do now is you need to trade down with the second pick. And dare the teams to take all four guys ahead of you. This is about to be a disaster. They're about to take multiple defensive players here. And then start Drew Locke this year. And think that they can fix Drew Locke. They were really high on Drew Locke a few years ago. Remember that? Well, Drew Locke is the guy who the Broncos were willing to let fall in the draft. And then take later. And that's kind of the downside scenario of these guys and teams saying, okay, maybe we'll just play chicken. We'll let them drop. We'll take the guy we like at the end. Drew Locke was not able to ever come through with that. Been tying up the, the Eagles point. I think they're going to throw very effectively. This isn't This isn't a real – are you kidding, Bullock? Somebody somebody tell me he's kidding. He's, he's saying it's Kenneth Walker at 41. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. It's actually Kenneth Walker to Seattle. Sean, this was a great show. Uh, thank you all for tuning in. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, I'll see you guys next week. Ben wants you to subscribe to the channel before he leaves. Sean, I told you I'd stay sober for this stream. We're nine picks in, and I'm going to need a beer. They are confirming it. The Seahawks just took Kenneth Walker. We have been joking. Is it? This is, is it, insane. This is like you, you – so you don't want to just go right into the idea of talking about what Kenneth Walker's effect on Rashad Penny is? <laughs> you can. You're welcome to. Oh, my God. This is this is too much. They took the edge rusher and the running back that we said that they would as a joke. I don't know how much we want to swear on this Rotoviz uh, stream. That's the only reason I haven't sworn yet. 
wow. They literally did the bit. They they did what we were. <laughs> Sean, yes. what does this mean for Kenneth Walker at Dynasty Leagues? Well, I don't think it's good, right? Oh, my God. One of the things here is that I, I have been wanting to put out Jamal Charles as sort of a big Jamal Charles as the insane upside scenario for Kenneth Walker. I think that's harder to do now because it's actually very hard to get behind a team that wants, I mean, it's one of these things that has the, the element of irony for contemporary NFL football is that if your team wants to run the ball, you don't want those running backs. Now in part, we know it's because they have multiple guys here. I think that this gives us a sense that Chris Carson is done, which sadly is the way that it has been trending and really has been the case since the injury was announced hopefully that's not true right hopefully he does come back he works into the mix you have sort of a, a three musketeers the best running back group in all of football ben but they're going to be taking handoffs <laughs> from geno smith and it's going to be tricky with that as the background to to what happens here smith do is, you still uh, think that seattle won the trade to denver let me get one win here yeah, ben you were telling me that they were going to make that trade look like the worst decision ever. And they've successfully done that. I mean, <laughs> yeah. The only thing they had going for them was Russell Wilson. They do this with everything else they have resource wise. Oh God. That was all they had. But then look at these, look at these highlights here, right? But I mean, hey, Sean, does it... They took an air raid pass blocking left tackle. That guy could project into a future left, left tackle run blocker, left tackle. And now you got, you can get all the running backs on the field together. Sorry, I'm just... But what if you have Jamal Charles, right? We got to get back on the enthusiastic side, the optimistic side. You think about the Chiefs a couple years ago passing on Jonathan Taylor. Are you telling me there's not a part of you that is excited? I mean, think back to the days of Barry Sanders and Jamal Charles and Priest Holmes, Ladanian Tomlinson, Marshall Falk. You're telling me if Kenneth Walker is one of those guys, that this is an exciting pick? No. <laughs> what does that do for them? Like, what does that even... Oh, sorry, I I was in my head recounting. We have uh, A.J. Brown getting traded, Burks landing in Brown's old spot. We have Seattle's commitment. To... This has been a weird first 50 picks for me. I'm having a hard time processing what... This is not how I expected the draft to go. <laughs> Feels like an attack. I, I am not, I'm not content about this. We were just talking about AJ Brown, what that's going to mean. I never got your take on that. Let's just, let's just move on from Seattle. Obviously I'm not capable of talking about it. You were, you were, before I rudely interrupted you talking about Devonta being the best of the Alabama receivers. What do we think about AJ Brown and Devonta? What, how do you think that splits out? Um, give me some good news. Yeah. I don't know that, we need to be overly concerned about it, about the specifics, right? I think you're going to get a good share for both of those guys. I think this offense is going to be very concentrated between the three guys. I don't think the running backs are going to be that involved in the passing game, which uh, in a lot of cases on a lot of teams, the backs will siphon off. Yes. Dubner chimes in. Seahawks are the rake of the NFL. Yes, that's, that's exactly right. Anyway, continue. And in this case, it's going to be those three guys. 
And you're going to see a situation where Hertz is able to move around, let the plays develop. And I think this is fantastic for him because one of the things that we've seen here is that either a, these quarterbacks are terrible, which I think is, is something you have to very much consider to be a strong possibility at this point. I think that Ritter and Corral <laughs> were very much now in that range for them. I think that Howell is one of these guys who's falling because of the final year, which shouldn't be the case but Hertz is able to do something that really works in the contemporary NFL which is to run and to throw deep and now he has a small receiver who can get deep he has a big receiver who can get deep he's got a more flexible and multifaceted tight end than most of the other even good tight ends and so you're looking about a team that can score fast but also can extend possessions because you get to third down and all he has to do is get on the edge and trot for the first down right so this team is going to go out there they're going to score a lot of points and they're going to be in a situation in a very weak nfc east where they can take it i think that some of the things we saw from the cowboys last year a little bit of a fluke i don't necessarily buy into them i think last year was the year they needed to do it i think the eagles are on the rise but even just from a, a positioning perspective and seating when you look at having those two games against the giants and the commanders that's going to be very positive for them now we know that the nfc north and the nfc south are also not particularly strong and then you have the battle out there in the west that the seattle seahawks are in a win through kenneth walker but the eagles now in a very good position to be to be one of the more fun teams and i'd like to think that what the ravens did last year when they lost their backs and they had to let their offense evolve how explosive that was is going to be something that the Eagles are seeing, right? And if Lamar Jackson doesn't get hurt, if the backups, who actually moved the ball extremely well, it was sort of a Lamar Jackson-ish version of Jameis Winston in terms of the backups going in there, moving the ball, but losing games, right? The Eagles are not going to want Hurts to make those mistakes and lose the games, but if he can attack deep, get out there on the edge, the Eagles are going to be good. They're going to score a lot more points, right? This is the second year jump for these guys that – you know, we're, we're overconfident in what a team is going to look like. And there are a lot of apples and oranges elements between the Eagles and the Bengals, but the Bengals made that huge jump, even with Burrow not being right for a big chunk of it. I mean, Hertz is in a much better position than that because he doesn't have to spend the offseason injured and the beginning of the season injured. And so while he's not Joe Burrow's level, I mean, Joe Burrow after the first year, one of the reasons why he couldn't believe we were getting him, where we were getting him at drafts, I mean, his sim scores in the screener just shouted out Andrew Luck. So you're like, yeah, I need to have some exposure to that. Jalen Hurts isn't that, but these weapons now are absolutely perfect. And one of the things that we're seeing is this real split now between teams that have just so much firepower and the teams that don't. And when you have a lot of firepower and a mobile quarterback, there are so many different ways you can beat the opponent. Yeah, we've talked about that <clears throat> in the last year. I think that's incredibly intelligent from a team building perspective. I am a little bit concerned about when you talk about Hertz's ability to just scramble on third down and pick up the first down. It's like, yeah, absolutely buy into that. I buy into the offense being very good overall, but there will be an issue. I mean, I, I, you know, I sort of mock the proje projection, pro how, how much people rely on season long projections in fantasy uh, a little bit, but I do think there is an element where you look at that type of thing and you, oh, we got Wondell Robinson to the Giants. Interesting. 
Wando Robinson to the Giants. We'll talk about that in just a second. Um, that's early for him. That's some real draft capital for a guy that we talked about on the show being someone we wanted to see where he would land. That's very interesting, especially as it relates to Kadarius Tony and the trade talks. That's definitely something we'll have to talk about. But I was just going to say, as far as projections, the there, I mean, Hertz mobility definitely will limit pass attempt volume to a certain degree. It does mean that the guys have to be very efficient. They can be. Um, obviously AJ Brown can be, does a lot of it on his own after the catch, but, um, I'm at least a little bit concerned about how big the pie can be in that offense. Essentially, even though I do expect them to pass more, how big it can get to. So you were saying it hurts, it hurts Goddard. You think it also hurts Brown and Smith? I think it hurts Goddard. And I think. For Brown to be what I want him to be, which is the overall wide receiver one every single year, that he has to kind of bury Smith a little bit. And I think he can and probably will because he's A.J. Brown. So that's where I'm at. Well, then that brings us almost to the end of the first hour of our day two coverage. Tell the listeners, viewers, what have you, what they need to do to help us out here as we build our Rotoviz YouTube channel. Yeah, we're hoping that you guys would go and subscribe to the YouTube channel. When I was first coming on YouTube, I didn't subscribe to a lot of places. And then I started to, because like you don't know what you're getting out of it. It costs you nothing. I never got any kind of notification. You can click the little bell to notify when Rotoviz goes live if you want to. But if you just go to the Rotoviz YouTube channel and click subscribe, it like you'll never get any kind of notifications or anyone bugging you trying to get those subscribers up the goal was a thousand that's a pretty lofty goal by me we're at got up over 700 we've added almost 100 in the last day or so uh but the, yeah the, the youtube channel is relatively new this year so go click subscribe we're trying to get those subscribers and then if the seahawks continue to draft running backs maybe the steam coming out of your maybe we'll we'll get those last 300 in in the next 24 hours as, as folks come on to see kind of the deterioration of Ben Gretsch. I don't, I mean, I don't know what else can go wrong, but believe me, it will find a way. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.